Well, are you guys, um, you guys doing okay? Yeah? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. This afternoon, or this evening, I guess it would be, um, I would like to talk to you about a couple things. Grace, sin, and falling away. So that's the message of the, the title of the message. Grace, sin, and falling away. Now, before we get into the message, I want to just give you a quick short story. Uh, this week I was, um, I was ministering to somebody and I was taking them through the renunciations and going through curse breaking. We were, we were doing some zoom and, and, uh, breaking soul ties and everything. And I could feel that what we were renouncing was supposed to be happening. But even though I could feel the power of God on it, nothing was happening. And so I turned my mind to the voice of God, and the Lord simply said, the man is a pastor. He preaches the word. He's going to have to be specific. So I let him in some personal renunciation where it really kind of spoke and instantly the power of God just started setting him free. My point is, is that we are accountable for what we know and what we know we are supposed to walk out and live out. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay? Now I hear this quoted to me all the time. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, what does all that mean? What does all that mean? What does it mean to be a new creation? Well, it talks about the new man. We've been recreated in an image of Christ, in the likeness of Christ to, to an extent. But the new creation is basically in our spirit to begin with. And then our mind must be renewed, and eventually our body will be resurrected or taken when Jesus comes back. All right? So a new creation, what does the definition mean? It means something new. 
something new, something unseen of a kind not seen before. Here's my point. If it's a new creation, Adam was, Adam was seen before. When God says it means unseen before, it means never been in the history of time before. Never, never made, never. So when Adam was sinless, that's not what he's talking about. We're talking about something that is unseen, something that has never been created before. Creation means to create. So if it's new, it's unseen. If it's new, it's been never been seen before. Not even before, not even with Adam, who was the only one to ever, him and Eve were the only one ever to walk on the earth without sin until they sinned. And then the creation talks about to be created. So the definition means to create something that has not existed before. So look at yourself and say, you have never existed before. You've never existed before. And then he goes on to say, old things. What does it mean, old things? It means to go out of existence is the definition. Something that goes out of existence or something that passes away. It's not that instantaneous wham. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. However, the definition means old things, things that are passing away. The goal, it means the goal here, the goal of what the definition is saying is to cease to exist. Old things in us still have not passed away. But according to God, they've already passed away. Are you with me? Do you get it? Did you hear what I just said? Things, old things have passed away or things are passing away. But the definition means cease, the goal of the definition, the end of the definition according to Thayer and um, Laonidas, Strong's, uh, Mounts, all these guys, my Logos Bible software, all say the same thing then it means something that ceases to exist. So here's what I'm talking about. Even though you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things, according to God, have passed away, and all things, or uh, the old things, cease to exist. However, until that happens, old things are still existing. But according to God, in Christ Jesus... In Christ Jesus, all things have completely passed away. <laughs> have I got you confused? My point is, there's an old man still here. 
And then there's the new man is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Because, how about this? Because old things have passed away, you can be healed. Because according to God, you're already healthy. You can be delivered. You can be saved. Because old things have passed away. The definition example, here's the example that they give, Mounts, the, the Mounts definition guy, this is what he says. The world is passing away. Old things, the world is passing away. The new birth is marvelous. It is a marvelous act of God. Something that no one has ever seen before. Even though we look the same on the outside, what is going, what is in on the inside is eternal life. Eternal life. But it is only a birth. As miraculous as the new birth is, it's only a birth. So here's my point. It would be as if you gave birth to that child and left it by itself. But that's not what Jesus does, is it? He takes care of us. That's what Father God does. He fathers us because we've been birthed into him. So when you become a Christian, even though the Bible says all things have passed away, it really means your old life is passing away just as the world is passing away as you grow in Christ Jesus. Because babies grow. Babies get hungry. Babies need to be taken care of. But as you grow in Christ Jesus, God starts to allow you to exercise what he's already trained you to do as you grow up in your faith. So you basically, we call it, we partner with God to make old things non-existent anymore. Because the end of our faith is the fullness of the new creation. When Jesus comes, all things will be made new instantly. Everything that God did in Christ Jesus will be fulfilled in the fullness of. That is the gateway to the kingdom of God. 
I just gave you the key to the kingdom. The key to the kingdom is to grow up in your faith. Understanding that all things are supposed to be put out of existence. New. We are a new creation. When we become believers in Christ, we see that in Galatians 6, 15. It means to be recently made Fresh, recent, unused. And I, this is how they explain it in the definition. Pertaining to having been in existence for only a short time. A short time. The definition example is a new wineskin. Okay, a new wineskin. Are you guys are you guys flowing with me? Because we've only when you become a Christian for the first time, you've only been in existence for a little while. And according to God, in the long term, now that we're born again, according to God's time, we've only been in existence for a short time. That's why there's so much that we must attain to. That's what Paul kept saying to himself. I've come to this realization that I must press towards the goal. What was Paul's goal? Well, Paul's goal was to be like Christ Jesus. He realized that. But what he realized is the things that still exist of the old world, according to God in Christ Jesus, it's got to go. Because it can't hold us anymore. Ephesians 4 and 24 says this. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what it is. The born again experience. You are a new creation in righteousness and holiness. It is not a license to go and sin. And no one can tell me that grace covers that. Nobody. Grace will not cover willful sin. Only repentance and a change of heart. Grace saves. Grace has a saving mechanism and an empowering, the grace of God to empower you to resist evil. That's what grace is. First it saves and then it is that God's grace to give you the ability to overcome evil. Because according to God, the new creation, evil has, exi- has no, it, it no longer exists. 
even though we still deal with it. It's on God's time clock. It's going. It's like this world. It's passing away. You can make things pass away in your life quickly if you live righteously and holy is my point. Listen to what the living Bible says. Yes, you must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Colossians 3 and 10 says this, and have put on the new man. Now listen carefully. You clothe yourself, the new man, righteous and holy. You've clothed yourself. Put on this new man, which is renewed, renewed. So not now. There's another component being added to righteousness and holiness. It says renewed in knowledge. Knowledge. After the image of him that created him, the image of God, the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have this, this renewal process. Not only are we to live righteous and holy, but now we're supposed to seek after the knowledge of God. Any of this other knowledge out here? has passed away according to God. It's gone. It doesn't even exist. Even though it exists. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job and quit studying at school and, you know, all the different things. I want you to know that the knowledge of God is the number one requirement before the worldly knowledge. Okay? The Living Bible says this. You are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right. I'll read it again. You are a brand new kind of life. That is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying consistently to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you, within us. When we're reconciled, we are we are no longer hostile to God. More hostilities towards God. God towards us. <clears throat> Excuse me. To cause to coexist in harmony. We must live in harmony. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make 
mismatch alliances with them. Righteousness, or excuse me, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have to do with lawlessness, or what fellowship can light have to do with darkness? It's the context of what we're talking about here. I can't be unequally yoked. I don't marry who I want to marry. I marry who Jesus told me, tells me to marry. And that's what I did. 2 Corinthians 6.14. It's in the Amplified Bible that I read from. Because I am in a pursuit of learning more and more about Christ. That's where grace covers. Grace doesn't cover what you know to do that is wrong and then you go do it. Only repentance does that. Not grace. Well, God will forgive me. I got the grace of God because I'm a new creature in Christ. Nope, it doesn't work like that. <clears throat> Nobody gets to willfully choose sin and call it grace. God will forgive me. Yeah, he will. If you humble yourself and never do it again. But if you continually become an immoralitor and then repent and go back and repent, and go back. Or if you continue to do things. And you're back and forth. Back and forth. That's a very scary place. To be. Because the Bible says an immoralitor. The one that continues to go back to the mud. Will not inherit the kingdom you say oh well brother Bruce I, I intercede I do miracles I lay hands on the sick I cast out demons and Jesus will say I never knew you never knew you because we have not allowed that process to bring us out of what God says is passing away. Or in other words, let me just say it a little more stronger. What God has already judged dead. God's redemptive purposes begins in the heart. If you really, if you really ask God to forgive you, and he has really redeemed you. Your heart will not want to sin against God. You will walk away from it. You will not allow the things of this world to pull on you in such a way that you backslide is what the Christian says. You won't do it. Once, once this happens, once this redemptive, once this heart inside 
the very foundation of the new man is the heart change. That's the very foundation of the new man, the heart change. Once God has purified your heart in such a way, you better listen to me. He works outward from there. He starts to, once he's got a, once he's got you built on the rock, there's not a sea or a wind that can knock, knock your house down. Matthew 7. Because you're, you've built your foundation is on the rock. He works from the outward with the sanctifying grace. I can say a lot about that. Then, after he starts to peel things off your life, that grace never allows it to come back. Never allows it to come back. He seeks to bring the whole personality. This is the goal of God in the creation, in the new creation. He seeks to bring, once he's got your heart, once, he, once your spirit is born again, and, he, and, and, and uh, um, the Bible says, didn't our, I think Matthew or Luke 24, somewhere around the 45th verse, didn't our hearts burn when he shared the scriptures with us? Once there is this redemptive, redemption in the heart and this and the grace the next step the grace of God starts to take things away from us because you know even though you struggle with it you know you don't want it why because the heart says don't do that even though you make a mistake you and then eventually it's gone you don't struggle with it for years Then God seeks to bring the whole personality of that person under the control of the Holy Spirit. That is the final touch. The final touch. When the Spirit of the Lord has control over our personality. Listen to what Galatians 5.16 says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Come under the control of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, there's something wrong here. If people continue to go get in the mud, their foundation is not built. They've built it on sinking sand. It looks pretty on the outside, but there's nothing real on the inside. Even though they write about Father God and speak about Jesus and do signs and wonders. The cross has power to make believing Jew or Gentile a new creation which results 
in a radical transformation. That's what happened to me. I went to bed a sinner. I read, I got to a page at one, at 158 in Washington State in the afternoon. And I said a prayer at the end of the book. And I was instantly transformed into a new creature. I was radically transformed. Instantly, the things of this world passed away. Oh, come on. You know where I'm going now. But guess what didn't pass away? Parts of my personality that was still angry at my dad. See all the vices like sexual immorality, uh, drug addiction, all these things. If people are really have had the true conversion, the true conversion, it goes away. Because God gets you and then he starts to peel things away. Whether it takes deliverance or just a radical touch of God, you are continually, God's continually peeling those things away. Romans 1 and 4 says this. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It's powerful. Talking about Jesus. Declared to be the son of God by his resurrection over all that resists God. Because God was reconciling the world in Christ Jesus. The whole world. Everything about darkness, everything about sin, everything about all that. In other words, let me say this. When I talk about knowledge, people are supposed to have the knowledge of what the scripture says to put the right biblical method in practice and get, and get free, get healed, get whatever. I'm coming close to the end. Are you guys all right? In 1 Corinthians 5, 9, it says this. For we have written to you my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. Basically, the son had the father's wife. Not at all meaning the people of this world. Do you hear that? Not meaning the people of this world. who are immoral or the greedy or the swindler or the idolater, in that case, you would have to leave this world. But I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is, a, but is sexually immoral. He's greedy. He's an idolater. He's a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat with them.
Verse 12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside the church? You bet we are. I'm not here to condemn anyone, but I'm here to make a judgment call. I don't judge them like you're guilty, you're this, you're that. I'm just saying, you're, you're in sin. And if you don't truly repent and really have a heart change and walk away from this, you're in danger. I don't care how many church services a year you attend. God will judge those outside, Paul says. Expel the wicked man from among you. That's what he says. Get rid of him. If he doesn't want to change, cast him out of the church. Get rid of him. I'm preaching the Bible. It isn't our job to judge outsiders is what Paul, the living Bible says according to Paul, according to the Living Bible. But it certainly is our jo job to judge and deal strongly with those who are members of the church who are sinning in these ways. The church is supposed to deal with this stuff. And we're supposed to give them a chance to repent. But if they continually go back, out the door they go. 2 Peter 2.20 says this, if they, meaning believers, and here's the scary part as I'm closing. Here's the scary part. If they, believers, have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, and what? Overcome. Entangled and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Now this, this one right here just, whoa. But the Holy Spirit through Peter says, write this. It would be better, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Than to have known it. And then to turn their backs on the sacred command that has passed, that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverb is true. A dog returns to his vomit. And a sow that is washed goes back to the wallowing in the mud. So how do I end this tonight? That word escaped means to be loosed. You've had a born again experience. But you haven't sought the knowledge that, that, that produces the righteousness and holiness that is required. Because it means to be loosed away from something. 
in the New Testament, it is frequently translated as to release or to send away. But it also means to divorce. It's a deliverance term. Those are deliverance terms. Deliverance from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Deliverance from demons. Deliverance from sickness and disease. You've been loosed. You know, I had somebody tell me something the other day. I was kind of shocked by this. But a person told me that, well, I'd like to get delivered from alcoholism because it is an addiction in my family and there is a curse and I need to be delivered from the demons. But I want God to deliver me from the addiction, but I still want to be able to enjoy a glass of wine. I about fell over. I said, you have no idea who you're dealing with. And God delivers you, you better never open that door again. Because he's put a judgment on what he doesn't like. Even though the Bible says, you know, Timothy, have a glass of wine for your stomach. He doesn't say get plowed. Or go and enjoy a glass of wine. In the New Testament, corruption means pollution, moral defilement, that which defiles. So to be entangled means to be involved again, to be involved again. And what happens when this happens? Here's what happens. This is the definition. The kingdom of darkness is able to weave himself back into you. As mesh. In other words, it's it's that seven times worse, but it's actually meshed in, woven in, much like a, you know how people braid their hair? And they got all these braids going everywhere and they braid their hair. Can you imagine all of that being tied into one big braid, thousands of braids being tied into one? The braid, braid your hair and then braid the braids. It means to be interwoven. And then the definition is braiding. But here's the, here's the word that gets me the most. Unto a knot. Have you ever had a knot that couldn't get undone? How hard it is to get a knot undone sometimes? Unto a knot. Scary. But people just go along saying, God will forgive me. No. You need to learn. You need to understand what the scriptures really mean. Because you have been... That word to be entangled and overcome means you have been defeated by the kingdom of darkness. You have been defeated is the definition. You have been conquered is the definition. And here's the scary part of the definition. 
you are now controlled by. Controlled. In other words, I'm in Romans chapter 1 where God hands you over. The kingdom of God is a serious thing. People have no idea. In this church right now, as I glance around, that doesn't pertain to any of you. Now, I'm sitting there in worship, and I get this, I get this tingling starting from right here all the way down through here and around through here and then up through here into all the muscles and the bone structure of the jaw. And I almost prayed right there. But then I said, no, I'm going to continue to worship. Oh, ha, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> That's on today. So I want to pray for jaws. Not the shark. For you. Today's your day for healing. Can you? Why don't you just stay right there?